Welcome to the W2 Prison Break Show, a podcast and YouTube series hosted by real estate investor, author, and coach Brian O'Neill. Tune in each week as we interview business owners who have successfully planned and executed their W2 Prison Break. You'll hear their stories, learn about their challenges, and what ultimately pushed them over the edge and gave them the courage to break free. Most importantly, you'll discover they are not much different than you. Listen in each week as we give you useful insights and action items to start your W-2 prison break and get you on the path you were always meant to be on. Hey there, friend. Welcome back. Another episode of the W-2 prison break show headed your way. Today, we have a super awesome guest. His name is Mike McCallowitz, and he really supports our mission to inspire and educate 1 million people to quit their job and start the business of their dreams by the end of 2026. Mike has been an entrepreneur almost his whole life. He launched three multi-million dollar companies before his 35th birthday. He's authored several books, Fix This Next, Clockwork, Surge, The Pumpkin Plan, Profit First. Having read these books, you definitely need to get your hands on them. He's also lost it all. And you're going to hear about that in today's episode. And his personal mission is to eradicate entrepreneurial poverty. And you're going to hear all about his story. And you're going to really, really enjoy this episode. I know it. Mike's a great guy. Without further ado, let's get straight to the episode. Mike, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to speak with you today. Look forward to helping a lot of people. Ryan, I'm I'm pumped to be with you, brother. Let's crush it. I agree. Let's do that. So, Mike, your mission, which I love, is to eradicate entrepreneurial poverty. Love that mission. We were speaking a little bit before we hit record about the mission of the W-2 Prison Break Show, which is to inspire and educate 1 million people to leave their W-2 job and start the business of their dreams. And I know you've spoken to, you've been on thousands of stages, you've spoken to a lot of people. People are trying to get to the business, right? They're trying to get to become entrepreneurs. Maybe they're dabbling in a little bit. If you were speaking to to the audience, I mean, what would you say to them right now if you were in front of them? I think if you have an inkling, a desire even a thirst, whatever it may be, is it would be a shame for you not to at least pursue and attempt it. I cannot guarantee success for anyone. There's some definitely things that will improve your odds. A lot of things will improve your odds. It's not guaranteed. But I think the biggest regret I see is people who never went for it. They said, I always had this idea. I always wanted to do this, but I just had a job. I think there's nothing worse than that regret. So go for it. Do your research to go in as best prepared as you can. But there is a time to pull the trigger. And there is some benefit. The last little asterisk here is there is some benefit to ignorance in a case like this. I find that entrepreneurs that go into an industry without really knowing the industry in its entirety, introduce new concepts because they don't know the unspoken or the spoken rules. So go for it. That's a great share. Why do you think most people don't go for it? Like what's holding them back? It's definitely looking over the cliff. It's scary. You're putting all your financial dependence in yourself. If this doesn't work, it's fully on you. You have no one else to rely on. Ironically, I think for many people, I most depend on myself for my financial welfare. I appreciate other people that support me, employers and so forth, but I know for them, their numero uno is them. I'd rather bet on myself, but that's a big fear. And the classic thing is the unknown. If you've never done it before, you don't know what to expect. And it is a waterfall of new things. I remember talking with some employees of large corporations. Well, actually, one woman in particular comes to mind who worked in the entrepreneurial space. She was serving small business owners. 
And she told me, she said, I thought I had it. I, I knew these entrepreneurs, but my God, the day I opened the doors, I had no idea how the variety of things I needed to do. Like now you got to manage your own books. Never did that before. Now you got to be doing sales calls and then delivering on the project or service. You have to be doing collections. All the elements of the business must be addressed. And you can find contractors and so forth. But I will tell you this. Here's the secret. You're going to start a business, and I hope you do. I believe in nothing more than entrepreneurship. It's a true self-expression of ourselves. Find like-minded people. Find other people doing this journey. Make that mastermind group or that peer group where you just get together and share best practices. Some people are a little further along than you, maybe a little bit behind, but everyone's going to bring value and perspective. And you need a shoulder to cry on. I see many business owners go in and say, you know, I'm just going to get a partner, not because they really need a business partner, but it feels good to have a shoulder to cry on. And for the first year, they love it. And then the second year, like, why did I bring this person on? They're dragging down the business or in conflict or they're taking a direction. I don't want to take it. So you need a shoulder. And I think a peer mastermind is probably the best way to go about it. I love that advice, Mike. And one of the reasons I stayed stuck at my W-2 job for way longer than I wanted to before I started my business was because I was around people that validated my self-limiting beliefs. I can't start my own business. I have to stay in this job, right? It wasn't until I did that, I started to surround myself with coaches and mentors and people who had made the leap where my life started to change and I was able to leave that job. I think a lot of people get stuck here, Mike. I really do. Do you have maybe a tip or two as to how they might go about maybe changing their group or changing their circle? Yeah, I absolutely do. The first thing is to monitor the naysayers. That's tip one. And I remember when I first became an author and people were coming to me saying, are you crazy? No one makes money as an author. And I started to believe it. But then I started to say, well, are you an author? The vast majority of naysayers are speaking from hearsay. They've never done it before. They're like, oh, no, no, I just know you don't make money. I just heard. So first of all, speak only to the qualified people. Ask them, what's been your experience building a business? And if they say, I've never done it, don't listen. If they say, I've done it and I failed, listen and figure out why they failed and what you can avoid. Also seek out people and ask them that have been successful how they did it. So that's tip one. Tip two to surrounding yourself with a circle, it's called reverse interviewing. You can go in your own community and look at all the entrepreneurs in your community. Look at the stores, the big businesses, the corporate places. You can probably find those people on LinkedIn or just through your own network. But then contact that business owner and say, hey, would you be willing to do a reverse interview? I want to interview you. I'm not seeking a job. I'm seeking to learn from your experience. I just want to learn your history and your story. Because one day I may be starting a business and I understand you have a lot of knowledge. That fulfills ego. I have a person that reached out to me and said, this is so uncomfortable. I don't you know, I feel awkward saying this, but would you allow me to shadow you for a day? I'm like, yeah, come along for a day for a ride. I'll show you everything we're doing. It's unbelievable how few people ask for that opportunity. And when it is asked, I think most entrepreneurs will find will invite you in the door and give you all the guidance they can. That's such a great tip. I was about to say that most of the entrepreneurs are going to say yes to that, right? Because they've been there. It's joyous to share. And Honestly, for me, at least, it's my ego too. It's like, hey, I'm important to this person. So my big fat ego gets fed. Yeah, 100%. That's awesome. So everyone, reverse interview. That's a great tip. I'm going to do that. So switching gears here a little bit, and I got to tell you a story. There's a post-it note on my laptop. It's been there for Mm -hmm. three, four years, maybe longer. And it says, profit first, 10%. He's smiling. He's fist pumping for those not watching on Yeah, I'm totally fist pumping. I love it. (laughs) Great book. I know you've taught this to thousands of businesses, but I believe, and I'm sure you do too, because you wrote the book, Profit First, that you can live your life this way without having a business. 
Would you agree with that? Yeah, I totally agree with it. And, and honestly, that's what the book is based on. There's many fabulous books out there about the pay yourself first principle. Comes to mind, Think and Grow Rich, Richest Man, Babylon. There's modern versions of that. Dave Ramsey's work is about it. I was like, oh, this isn't being applied to business. So I just took that pay yourself first principle, apply it to business. Money comes in, take your profit first. I now believe both principles need to be executed on. you. As a business owner, you need a fiscally healthy business, but it won't be healthy if you're not personally fiscally healthy. But the reverse is true too. If your personal finances are strong, but the business finances are weak, you're like a conjoined twin. It's going to suck that nutrition out of you. So it's important that you pay yourself first at your home. You also pay yourself first at the business. Huge, huge lesson for me in my life. I talk about it all the time. So just want to say thank you to that. But it's really eye-opening and it's really something that I think a lot of us are not paying any attention to. It's like, hey, we got to pay the bills first and I get the leftover scraps, right? Yeah. And what happens then, so there's a concept I talk about in the book, Profit First, called Parkinson's Law. And so just a quick history lesson, Brian. This guy's a theorist from the 1950s studying human behavior, and he notices something fascinating. As a supply increases in its availability, our consumption automatically increases to meet the supply. And his study was mostly around time. So if you and I are discussing a contract and I say, hey, Brian, I'll get you that deal within a week, it'll likely take me a week to get you that contract. But if you and I, the same people, have the same discussion about the same parameters, I simply say, I'll get to you in one day, I'll likely get to you in one day. As I compress the availability of time, I hustle to get it done. But as I expand it, I slow down, other priorities kick in. Well, the same thing is true with money. As money comes into our bank account, personal or business, we see all that money as available. And so we look at our expenses and our expenses will gobble it all up. So for most of us, no matter how much income we get, it seems like we never get ahead. I got a raise, but I'm spending more money. I started my business. I made some good money, but I blew it all. So what we need to do is to intercept that behavior. We need to put a wedge in there. And that's what profit first is. As money comes in, take it, hide it away. And I'm not just suggesting that there is statistical proof. The greatest savings mechanism in US history is the 401k. And the 401k is a forced savings plan. As money comes in your gross income, a percentage is taken out and hidden from you. You have to live your life off the remainder. But over the months and in subsequent years and perhaps decades, you build this pocket of wealth behind the scenes. Yeah, that's a great point. That's all I had to live off when I had a W-2 job was whatever was out of the 401k. Great point. Yeah. Everyone get the book, please. He's got all his books on his wall there. The other one that I want to ask you about is Clockwork. And my biggest takeaway from that book, and I'd like you to expand on this because I've run into this in my business as an entrepreneur, where I feel like if I step away from the business, that everything's going to come crumbling down. I know this is part of your big mission, but in the book, you talk about taking a four-week vacation, unplugging, turning off the cell phone. Nobody calls you unless the building's on fire. And that date, by the way, is in my calendar. I'm just not quite there yet. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Are you working toward it? Are you putting systems in place, finding redundancy? I'm building the A-team. And as you probably heard many times, the bottleneck is me. I'm looking to get to that point. Now I've done the one or the two week move, but the four week, we're not quite there yet. And we have a young son too. So it's hard to leave in the summer when you have an 11 year old who plays sports, but I digress. Sure, We're working towards that, but can you please expand and talk about the importance of that for business owners? Because burnout's a real thing. Burnout's a real thing, but there's more to it. Like you're serving the economy, you're serving your employees. So I'm proud of you that you're doing it, but I'm also thankful that you're doing it because you're serving me, you're serving us. Here's how it works. 
When you run a business as a business owner, the natural tendency most entrepreneurs have is to be the linchpin employee. They do everything. And if they're not available, the business starts to degradate. So the employees that work for us, if we're not around, they're compromised. Plus, we squash their abilities. They can't expand because we're doing all the high-level stuff. So the first thing, by removing ourselves from the business temporarily for four weeks in this case, you are turning the keys of the kingdom over to your colleagues. That's powerful. You're telling them, for perhaps for the first time under the employee with you, you trust them emphatically that they've got this, that they elevate up. So first of all, it's a form of empowerment. Secondly, I call it the fire drill for a company. When I was growing up as a kid, the local grade school I was at, we'd have fire drills. You know, alarm would go off, everyone stand up, the teacher would have us walk in single file, and we'd exit out. And it became rote. We did it over and over again. Well, one day we had a real fire. The alarms went off and everyone just followed the routine. Everyone left the building. It could have been a tragic fire, but no one got hurt. Nothing. Because we knew the routine. In our business, the reality is that moment will happen. You will leave the business for a period of time, but not necessarily intentionally. You may have illness or emergency or just pure exhaustion. I don't know, but it's going to happen. And if the business hasn't gone through these drills, it's in a real lurch. So what happens is when you leave for those mini vacations, you're already doing the one and two weekers. That's how you start. That's awesome. You can't connect. It's not like leave and still work remotely. You know, Zoom has destroyed a lot of us and all this remote access because we just continue to work. We're just now sitting on a beach, but we're not really there, not mentally. We need to leave so that when we come back, we can see what didn't work. You leave for a week and some clients aren't happy. Well, why aren't they happy? There must be a communication breakdown or something, and we're going to repair that. You keep on leaving to find out where you have weaknesses in your systems and your people, and then ultimately get to the four-week vacation. Last thing I want to share about that is a four-week vacation is very specific to four weeks because every business I studied has a four-week cycle, a monthly cycle. You open and close your books every month. You have invoicing collections, client care. Maybe you hire someone. Maybe you let someone go. HR, all these issues happen. And if I can get you to leave your business no access to it for four weeks, and we sustain or we even grow during that period, which does happen, that means the business can sustain or grow in your absence into perpetuity. Beautiful. Now, I got to think that most of the business owners that you work with probably think you're crazy when you tell them to take four weeks off. It's something that makes total sense. So, Most of the American entrepreneurs and Canadians too think I'm crazy. I was in Europe, I was in Germany specifically, and I was sharing this keynote. I'm like, you need to take four weeks off. And they go, that's called August here. So in Europe, it's a tradition. Like BMW, everyone's out. Everyone's gone. And BMW hasn't gone under. And it's been doing these four-week vacations for its entirety of its existence. We just here in the West, the West-West, need to catch up with what they're doing in the East-West. <laughs> West-East, I don't know what you call Germany. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, interesting you bring that up. I'll just tell a quick story. I know we're getting low on time here, but my old W-2 job was a European company. And oh. it was Sweden, the Netherlands. And Mm -hmm. we had factories there and they would shut down for four weeks during the summer. And by shut down, they would do exactly what you said. Like you would not hear from them. They would be gone. And there's also a reason why these Northern European companies are are super, these countries are very happy, great quality of life. Yeah, great quality of life. And the businesses are doing well. It's not like those businesses are now compromised. There's mega corporations that come out of these locations. So here's the interesting thing constraint requires creativity to sustain. So when we leave the business, we will find ways to make the business run in our absence. We'll find new innovative ways to sustain it. Interesting little side story. I included it in Clockwork. Lynn manuel Miranda, who wrote the play Hamilton, 
he wrote another play before that. I think it's called Up in the Heights. I, I'm bastardizing the name, but he was working like an animal, which is kind of what we're trained to do. Sunrise to sunset, and you better work through that too. Like, don't see the sun, just work. His wife got so frustrated. She said, you're going on vacation. Coincidentally, it went on a four-week vacation where he had no access to his work. So he just started reading and he was reading, I wouldn't find this choice, but he's reading the biography of Andrew Hamilton. And as he's reading, he's like, oh my God, this could be a play. Inspiration comes from absence. So ironically, when you're not working in the business, when you're not working like an animal doing all the work, the designing mind kicks in in your absence and you discover all these wonderful things just because you're not there. Love it. Okay. While we're on uh, clockwork, I believe you have a new version of it, a revised version of clockwork. That's my most recent release. Yeah, it's 60% brand new content and the remaining 40%, which is the core framework, I've restructured it. I feel it's an easier read. It now has components for employees. I originally wrote it just for the leader of a business, the owner, and uh, realized, my gosh, teams need this too. This is a collective effort. So every chapter has a section specifically for the employee to engage these techniques. And the result, I hope, is everyone gets elevated. Everyone's performing at their optimal level, having fun doing what they're doing, but the business overall becomes super efficient. Awesome. Best place to pick that one up, Mike. I'm looking forward to reading it. Your favorite retail store, of course, is at Amazon Barnes Nobles. You can go to your local store, which I really encourage you to do. They should have a copy there. And if they don't go, why the heck is Clockwork not here? But they can order it for you then and get it immediately. And if you want just free chapters from all my books, any of my books, I used to write for the Wall Street Journal. All those things are available at mikemotorbike.com, the nickname from grade school, but mikemotorbike.com. You can get anything there. Super. We'll be sure to leave that in the show notes. I want to go back to your mission, Mike, as we tie up here, eradicate yeah. entrepreneurial poverty. I love that. I think we should all have a personal mission. It's super important. It gets us out of bed in the morning. How did you get to that point? And why are you living that mission, I guess I should say? Yeah. And I'll show you something. I'll, I'll roll my screen here. I don't know if you can see the camera, but Sweet. on my wall there, yeah, it says eradicate entrepreneurial poverty. I have it at my home. I'm at my office right now. I don't like tattoos. I may even get tattooed myself with it. It's so important for me to constantly remember this. But I'll tell you the inception point. I had grown some businesses. They were never profitable. I was working my tail off, but at least they sustained long enough that I could sell the businesses. And I thought, oh, really pump and dump is what entrepreneurial success is. And I said, well, to really live the lifestyle I want, I need to start 10 companies simultaneously. So I did that as an angel investor. It was a horrible thing I did because I was so bad at it. I was a calamity and therefore the businesses were. I lost everything I'd made up to that point, everything including my house, including my cars. I went to my family, my daughter. I'd been admittedly lying to them by mission. I was saying everything was okay when it wasn't and telling them that we're about to lose our house. We lost it 30 days after I shared that. And I said to my daughter, I can't afford to send you the horseback riding lessons. It was like $20 a session. She ran out of the room and I thought she was running away from me. She was crying. I was sobbing. She ran to her room to actually grab her piggy bank and she ran back to me and she plopped on the table and she was, daddy, since you can't provide for us anymore, I'll become our provider. Oh my God, I can't believe it. Every time I tell that story, I get emotional. It's so visceral for me. And that became the line in the sand. And the important thing also here is it wasn't like the next morning I woke up and said, I'm going to eradicate entrepreneurial poverty. I started to booze a little bit too hard. I uh, went through depression for about two years. It was a pretty ugly. But it's in reflection of that moment saying, my gosh, so many entrepreneurs live this life of ambition and they put out this picture that we're successful, but the reality is struggle. We don't have the finances. We don't have the time. We just work like crazy. We're sacrificing everything, but we're getting nothing. And that gap between our vision and the reality is what I call entrepreneurial poverty. And I said, I'm going to fix this for me first. 
because it really hurt me. And anyone who I'm privileged enough to serve or to be in contact with, they want, I will give them everything I know to help them in their entrepreneurial journey. Amazing. I love it. I also love the vulnerability in sharing the story. And I think we all need to do that as human beings. And I would probably venture a guess and say that you may not have been able to tell that story shortly after it happened, right? Uh, Oh, no. Same for me, too. Yeah. Yeah. So that's important to be vulnerable. And I appreciate you doing that. The listeners need to hear that. You know, we're all human. We're all human, right? Yeah, right. No one's better. No one's worse. We're just all on this endless journey on this planet. I mean, it comes to an end for us individually, but it's just this journey. And so, like, let's contribute. I will tell you the vulnerability. It took me years to share that story. And I was so afraid the first time I said to anyone, and I had it one eyes closed, one kind of eye looking up around the little room I was speaking to. Yeah. And the first person stood up and said, thank you. That's my story too. It was so interesting. It wasn't exactly their story, but the challenging experiences that we all go through. And when someone is willing to share theirs, theirs we feel connected. So vulnerability leads to connection. Totally. And your yeah. story, whoever you are listening out there, somebody needs to hear it. If it's just one person, yeah. it's probably worth sharing it, right? If you can connect with somebody and, and exactly. change, change your life. Makes yeah. it worth it. All right. Love the mission. We're all going to get behind it. It's amazing. I thank you so much, Mike, for coming on today and sharing your insight with our audience. I know we got to wrap up here, but any final thoughts, a word, a sentence, whatever it is you want to leave us with today? Yeah. So don't be too hard on yourself in this process, but don't let yourself not do it either. When you pursue entrepreneurship, don't expect to get it perfect. are going to have bumps and bruises. You're going to have struggles. It's not going to be easy. The worst thing is if you never try in the first place. So give it a shot. And I will also say about giving up, sometimes it's okay to give up too. Like you get long enough in the journey where I'm just not into this, this isn't working. It's okay to give it up. It's just not okay not to give it a try in the first place. Beautiful. Great way to end it. Mike, thank you again, everyone. Thanks, brother. Make it a great day. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the W2 Prison Break Show. Don't forget, you can watch all full episodes on our YouTube channel. Definitely check that out and please subscribe. Go to www.w2prisonbreak.com to learn more. If you like this show, please leave us a rating and review so we can continue to support you and the thousands of others planning their W2 prison break. Here's to busting you out.